This podcast is a presentation of Faith Assembly of God, where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Get more information online at faithishere.org and join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 11 a.m. Thank you for making this podcast a part of your week. One, two. Right here. All right. Turn to First Timothy chapter four, verse number six. Let's stand together for the reading of God's word today. You instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nourished in the word of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wise fables. Exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. Having the promise of life that now is and that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For this then we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. These things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come give attention to the reading, to, to, uh, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given you by the prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourselves entirely to them, that you progress, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Father, right now we come to you in prayer. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for the strength that brings us and the nourishment we receive from it every day. We thank you for every person here. We pray, God, you'll minister through the word of God. You'll anoint me as I preach your word. We ask in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm going to take this jacket off because I'm sweating already. I'm already breathing. My faith t-shirt on. They, uh, they let me play softball just because you're short of players. But uh, I am on the softball team. Yes. To say that the uh, America is caught up in a fitness craze is an understatement. It is a billion-dollar business. And how many have seen the infomercials on television? 
How many of you want to go out and buy some of that equipment that you see out there advertised? And they got all these crazy names to describe their new equipment they have for you. The Thigh Master. Somebody need that one? The Abdominizer. The Gut Be Gone. And with it comes a training video, all for $19.95. You get abs of steel, buns of steel. And it's all out there for you. And if you do this thing, if you follow their training regiments, that you will be physically fit in just a matter of days. Now the Greek culture, in Paul's day and Timothy's day, the Greek culture emphasized the body. It was all about the body. And certainly, I believe as children of God, we ought to take care of our bodies. Our bodies, the Bible says, are the temple of the Lord. They're to be used for His glory and for His honor. But, but Paul makes it very clear. Bodily exercise profits just a little bit. In other words, the exercise you get in your body right now is only for this life. It is only for right now, for right here. But he says, godly exercise is both for now and for all eternity. Now I want to ask you, which do you think is the most important? Godly exercise. And Paul emphasizes this in the Word of God. Now, the problem is you probably haven't seen too many infomercials on prayers of steel. And yet, which is clearly the most important thing in our life? What does it mean to be spiritually fit? How do we get there? What are some steps we can take in our spiritual progression? I want to give you three things this morning. The first is you need the proper spiritual nutrition. The proper spiritual nutrition. He says in verse number six, we should be nourished in the word of faith and good doctrine. We need the proper spiritual food to become the man that God wants us to become. We need that proper spiritual nutrition. Now this is contrasted with what I talked about last week, about that spiritual poison of the false teachers. And the false teachers were coming along, and they said, you know, if you're going to be godly, you can't marry, you can't eat certain foods, you can't do certain things, and that will make you godly. And the Apostle Paul says, that is spiritual poison, that will destroy your lives. So beware of the false doctrine that is out there. Beware of the spiritual poisons. Our life and salvation is only in the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing else. We are saved by grace and grace alone. And then he says, stay away from spiritual junk food. Look at verse number 7. But reject profane and old wise fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. Now in this culture, the Greeks and the Romans, they loved to tell their stories about all their Greek gods. They had these fables. They had all their uh, mythology. They had, and it was all irrational. It was all bizarre. It was all nonsensical. And Paul says, reject it. Don't have anything to do with that junk. Keep it out. It doesn't deserve your time. It doesn't deserve your energy. Listen, we have a lot of people who are spiritually flabby today because their diet consists of a diet of junk food. Most of what is on television is junk food. And it won't destroy you right away. And it won't send you to hell right away. But what happens is if that's your steady diet day after day, you become spiritually fat and flabby. And Paul says reject that stuff, spit it out, have nothing to do with it. Uh, spiritual nourishment requires the proper daily spiritual food. Now let me tell you what that spiritual food is. Matthew 4, verse 4. 
Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our spiritual food is that which comes from the mouth of God. Jesus Christ is saying we are more than just spiritual beings, physical beings. We are more than just made up of our bodies. We are spiritual beings as well. So he says your life is more than just physical food. Uh, It also consists of that spiritual food. uh, And that is everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The Old Testament, as you read about the wilderness wanderings of the children of Israel, and how that God with his mighty hand brought them out of captivity. And they traveled for some 40 years to get into the promised land. Uh, During that whole time they had to eat. What are we going to do? We're going to starve to death. But God in his providence sends down this wonderful bread from heaven. And they said, what is it? What is it simply means manna. And so they called it manna. What is it? And every day they had to get up and eat that food every morning. Uh, and God said just enough for that day. And he says, you know what? Don't take more than you need. Uh, because if you do, it's going to rot in your tent. The worms are going to get it. Uh, I'll have more for you there the next day. Uh, and every day they got just enough for that day. And then on Saturday they t- or Friday, they took enough to cover the Sabbath day as well. And so they took two days supply. Manna, what is it? That spiritual bread that came down from God. Get enough for that day. Every day. Don't miss a day. You need your spiritual nourishment. I want you to turn to John chapter 6. Jesus Christ has this story in the back of his mind as he's teaching. And he says in verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give him is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. He says, I have bread and I'm sending it down. And Jesus Christ himself is that bread bread of God. Now, now how do we consume that bread? First of all, we got to believe that Jesus Christ is the bread of life. That he did what he said he was going to do. That he came in the flesh. uh, That he was crucified. uh, That he was buried uh, and rose again the third day. You got to believe that Jesus Christ is that bread of life. But he says, whosoever shall eat this bread, uh, there has to come to that point where we say, Jesus, I need you. Uh, I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again on the third day for me. And I want you to come into my life. And you literally take Jesus Christ into your heart uh, and into your life uh, and you consume him. Uh, And every time we partake of the Lord's Supper together, we are symbolizing uh, that body uh, and that blood that was shed for us. And we consume that and eat that symbolic uh, of what Jesus Christ has done in our heart and in our life. You see, there's got to be that daily aspect of taking in Christ. Now, I know the moment that you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and life, at that moment, you had everlasting life, uh, and you have everlasting life today. Uh, But where's the daily aspect of consuming that bread? Turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, look at verse number 4. Abide in me, and I in you. 
as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, is withered, and gather them, throw them to the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Now that key, that daily aspect of taking the bread of God is what the Word of God calls abiding in Christ. It's that consciousness that God is with me. It's a consciousness He lives inside of me. It's that consciousness He will never leave me uh, nor forsake me. And He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, uh, you shall ask what you will. I want to propose to you today, this is the Word of God right here. You need to get into God's Word every single day of your life. This is that spiritual discipline and exercise you've got to have. This is how your spiritual muscles are nourished. Get the Word of God into your heart and into your spirit. Job 23, 12 describes the Word of God. I have not departed from the command of His lips. I have treasured the Word of His mouth more than my daily bread. Jeremiah 15 and 16. When your words came, I ate them. They were joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. David in Psalm 119. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. I want to tell you, the word of God is that spiritual nourishment you need. If you are going to be spiritually fit... You've got to have a diet of God's Word. In fact, God's Word is soul food. Food for the soul. And it's better than the words of Oprah or Conan or Letterman. It's better than any Harlequin romance that is out there. Uh, it is better than a John Grissom classic. Uh, you can surf the Internet. Uh, you can search all the waves. Uh, but you'll never find better food for the soul than the Word of God. When you're down, God's word will lift you up. If you're lost, God's word will show you the way. If you're fearful, God's word can give you courage. If you're weak, God's word will give you strength. If you're hurting, God's word can give you healing. It is all found in the word of God. Hallelujah. God's word. There was a letter that was written to the editor. Not quite like my pulpit up here. I have a lot of room to work. Letter to the editor of a British newspaper said this, Dear Sir, it seems ministers feel their sermons are very important. They spend a great deal of time preparing them. I have been attending church for over 30 years. I have probably heard 3,000 sermons. I can't remember a single sermon. I wonder if a minister's job might be spent more profitably doing something else. One reply came back to the editor. It said this, Dear Sir, I have been married for over 30 years. During that time, I have eaten 32,850 meals, mostly my wife's cooking. Suddenly, I discovered that I can't remember the menu of a single meal, and yet I have a distinct impression that without them, I would have starved to death long ago. 
Now, I want to tell you, when you come here on Sunday, you're going to hear the Word of God. This is what we're going to preach. This is what we're going to talk from. This is our life. This is our strength. This is our nourishment. This is how the body of Christ is built up. But I also want to tell you, you can't count on Sunday morning alone for your nourishment. You can't count on your once-a-week fix for spiritual food. In fact, I want to encourage you, you need to come to the Bible classes on Sunday nights. You need to get in a life group where they study the Word on Wednesday nights or Tuesday nights or Thursday nights or get involved in a Bible study of some nature. But I also want to challenge you to take it a step further than that. Every single day, you ought to have a Bible reading plan. Read the Bible, study it, learn it, memorize it, get into your heart, uh, because a day without the Word is like a day without your food. We need our food to live. Don't settle for the fast food approach. You say, well, listen, my life is so busy, there's so much going on, I can't really get to it, and you take a minute here, grab a minute there. But I will tell you, the the greater the pressure and the more rapid the pace, the more we need to study and learn and reflect on the Word of God. You're going to be spiritually fit. You need the right spiritual nourishment. Number two, if if you want to be spiritually fit, you've got to have spiritual exercise. Look again, if you would, at verse number 8. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of life that now is and of that which is to come. I don't know about you, but I, I don't really picture the Apostle Paul as a jogger. I, I, don't, I just don't see him out there running laps every morning or every day or every night. I don't believe he belonged to the local health club in the Greek cities that he attended or visited and taught in. But he does give a little value and a little credence to physical exercise. Now, our emphasis on America, on running, on fitness, on working out, is somewhat necessary because of our sedentary lifestyles and our high-fat, high-carb diets that we eat every day our processed foods, and so to some extent, we need to take care of our bodies because left by themselves, our bodies become a wreck. But like so many things, physical exercise has turned into a virtual religion with its own priests and temples and liturgies, and you know how it goes. And so what we do in America is we spend millions of dollars on cars and rich foods and things of that nature only to find ourselves having to spend other money on diet and exercise. And it's kind of a vicious cycle that goes on. In the Apostle Paul's day, they walked everywhere. They were in better shape than we were. They weren't as fat as we are. Sorry about that. So the issue Paul is trying to make here, it's not either or. But it's one of priorities and proportion. Bodily exercise is necessary, uh, but it must not place an inordinate demand uh, on the stewardship of my time or my money. Uh, And the problem is we have a lot of Christians uh, who are physically fit. Uh, They are in great shape, but they are spiritually flabby. And the problem is physical fitness deals only with this life. But spiritual fitness, he says, profits now and also for that life to come. And so Paul says the clear priority should be on spiritual 
fitness. He uses some words here. He uses the word exercise in verse number, in the verse I just read to you, verse number eight. And it's also translated train, training, exercise. And it comes from the Greek word gymnazo, the same where we get our English word from gymnasium. You've heard of a gymnasium, a gym, gymnazo. And it describes the physical training of an athlete who goes through very rigorous training in order that he might compete in the Olympic events. Now, notice the Apostle Paul says, exercise yourself. It doesn't say hire a spiritual trainer. It doesn't say let someone else run the treadmill for you as you watch them and count the laps. It says exercise yourself. Spiritual exercise is something that only you can do for yourself. No one else can do it for you. Not your spouse. Men, husbands, listen to me. Your wives can't do your spiritual exercise. Not your parents, teenagers. Not your pastor. No one else can do it. Exercise yourself. And the focus of your training is exercise yourself unto godliness. Now, what does godliness mean? Godliness simply means a God-centered life. Godliness. And there's got to be a continuity with what I believe and how I behave. It's got to all fit together. Can't be I believe it in my mind, but I'm going to live a different way. Exercise yourself unto godliness. It is the opposite of another word, selfishness. Our culture is all about selfishness, which means a self-centered life. Godliness means a God-centered life. And so I have got to go into spiritual training to transition my mind from cultural or a self-centered life and move in the direction of a God-centered life. And the only way I'm going to get there is through spiritual exercise. How many are with me so far? You're getting this. We've got to go from selfishness to spiritual godliness. Now, how do we train? How do we exercise ourselves to godliness? Paul gives some hints right here in the word of God. Jump down to verse number 12. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word. Number one, we've got to use exercise in guarding our mouth, in our speech, in our words. You've got to be careful and control with what you say. If it wasn't for my mouth, I'd stay out of trouble. How many can know what I'm talking about? James 1.26 says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Exercise yourself with the proper guarding and use of your speech and in your words and in your tongue. In fact, the word of God says our speech should both be honest and loving at the same time. Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. There's a lot of warnings in the word of God about our tongue and how we're to guard our tongue. And in Proverbs 10 and 19, it says, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Uh, Listen, if you just want to be thought to be smart, keep your mouth shut because as soon as you open it, you're going to give yourself away. Proverbs 13 and 3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips 
shall have destruction. You've got to exercise your mouth. And the best exercise is keeping it locked down shut. Guard your words. Guard your mouth. Choose them carefully. Watch what you say. The tongue's a little member, but it can set the whole world on fire. And then he says, uh, second, he says, guard your speech, verse 12, in word and in conduct. Good exercise not only involves strength training. Now, I've, I've been trying to work out a little bit. And uh, so I go to the fitness center, and I have a routine that I follow. And they told me what you do is you start out with cardio for about five minutes. That gets the heart going good. It gets the blood circulating good. Then you go to your weights, and you hit the weights, and I hit them for about uh, 55 minutes or so. And then when I'm done there, I go back to the cardio. I either finish up on my treadmill or something else that is out there. Now, here's the thing I want you to get. That cardiovascular workout may be the most important workout you do because that's exercising your heart muscle. Your heart muscle is the very most important muscle in your body. Now, here's what you've got to understand. We've got to exercise our spiritual heart. When the Bible talks about the word of God, out of your heart proceeds all of life, he's talking about that innermost part of your being. It's that cardio workout that develops that heart muscle. And so what it means is in Christ Jesus, Christ comes in and he changes me from the inside out. He always starts on the heart, on your attitude, on your spirit, on your heart. And he gives us three ways we exercise our heart. He goes on to say in love. Love ought to be our main motivating factor in everything we do. Uh, and the God's word said, if you love me, you will obey me. You will keep my commandments. And so it all springs out of that love for God and love for one another. And so he goes on to say in love, and then he uses the word in faith. We've got to exercise our faith muscles. Now, there, there are several different ways faith is used in the word of God. It is used for saving faith. The Bible says we're saved through grace, by faith. And so that faith, that belief in God uh, leads me into salvation, that trust in the Lord, and that's how I am saved. Uh, but there is also a sustaining faith uh, that keeps us every single day of our journey, uh, and that muscle needs to be exercised. Uh, and he says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, and so I exercise my faith muscles, and then there is serving faith. The gift of faith that works in all the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. It's that faith for ministry, faith for work, faith to trust in God. So he says, exercise yourself in conduct, in love, in faith. And then he says, impurity, impurity. And he's not talking here so much about moral purity as he is a purity of your heart and your mind, uh, which is not only knowing the will of God, but doing the will of God. It has to do with that single focusness, that, that focusness, fo fo focusness, whatever. It's that, it's that keeping my eyes and my mind and my heart God-centered. So it all comes together. It all works together, purity. We're talking about exercise and conduct. Exercise yourself in your words, in your conduct. Number three, exercise yourself in the word of God. And I'll just touch on this for a moment because I've already talked about it. But look at verse 13. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Now, Paul says, once again, get that solid nutrition from the word of God. Notice the words, give your attention to. 
In other words, continually give your attention to these kinds of things. This is spiritually healthy nourishment. And then number four, we're to exercise ourselves in the gifts of the Spirit. Look at verse number 14. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by the prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. The God who calls us also equips us with gifts. These gifts are to be exercised, uh, used for his service. You don't receive a gift from God and put it up on the shelf. You say, God, you give me a gift to teach, where's the class? God, you give me a gift with kids, where are the kids at? You give me a gift to work with youth, where are the youth at? You give me a gift of intercession, where can I pray? Where can I be involved in the intercessory prayer team? Uh, Whatever your gift is, your gift of evangelism, uh, you'll go to the prisons, you'll go to the nursing home, you'll share your testimony, your life, uh, gifts that God has given you, gifts of the Spirit of God. He says, stir up that gift that's inside of you. Exercise the gift. Use the gift. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. Those gifts will dry up because of atrophy. Listen, if you don't use your arms and your legs, uh, they shrivel up, they get weak, they die, the muscles get weak. uh, And so Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, use the gifts. Get with it. We laid hands on you. We prayed for you. You were called into ministry. Now stir up every gift that God has given you. We've got to cultivate God's gifts, use God's gifts, develop God's gifts. Find our place of work and service and ministry in the body of Christ. And there's a whole list of gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, in Ephesians, in Romans. Find your gift and use it. So it's spiritually fit. First of all, you're going to eat the right kinds of food. If you're going to get your body into shape, you've got to eat the right kinds of physical food. If you're going to get your spirit man into shape, you've got to eat the right kinds of spiritual food, the Word of God. Second, you're going to get involved in spiritual exercise. And so you'll be using your gifts. You'll watch your guard, your tongue. You'll watch your conduct. Uh, all these things are working together. You'll continue to stay nourished in the word of God. And third, there's got to be spiritual renewal. Spiritual renewal. Look at verse number 15. Meditate on these things. Give yourselves entirely to them. One of my favorite times of the day is when the workout's over. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't like to work out. I don't like to run. I don't like to do the spinning class where the Nazi commandant sits up and says, do jumps and bend over and do all these kind of things for 45 minutes. And, you're, and I don't like to work out the weights. Every time I'm pushing a weight, I'm saying, why am I doing this? I hate it. But at the end, I reward myself. And I go into this little room called a sauna. And I close the door, and I sit there, and I sweat. And I pray, and I sweat, and I meditate, and I relax, and my whole body, every ounce of frustration just comes right out of my pores, uh, and I just sit there and relax. That's my renewal time. And then I take my shower, and I get ready to proceed for the rest of my day. And so there is that renewal time we need. And the Apostle Paul says in verse 16, take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourself. It is possible to get so busy helping other people, ministering to other people, uh, reaching out to others, uh, that we neglect ourselves uh, and our own spiritual walk. uh, And Paul says, Timothy, take heed to yourself. That's important. God must work in us before he can properly work through us. Take heed to yourself. 
It is possible to be involved in the things of the Lord and have no time left for the Lord himself. Listen to Isaiah 40 and 31. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You need those times of spiritual refreshing and spiritual renewal. Now, let me tell you how you get into a place of spiritual renewal, and I want you to get this. It is what I call the spiritual disciplines. Right away when you heard that word, you kind of cringed a little bit. Discipline. It just doesn't like the sound of that. But in the Christian life, it is essential. Now, let me tell you, the spiritual disciplines, you don't do those things to win God's love. You don't pray. You don't study God's word. You don't meditate. You don't do those things to earn or win God's love. God loves you already. He loves you totally and completely, and nothing, nothing will ever change that. But the spiritual disciplines get us in a place where God can change us and where we can experience his love for ourselves. Now, there are many kinds of different disciplines. There are spiritual disciplines of withdrawal. Let me kind of explain what those mean. Fasting is a spiritual discipline where we withdraw, we deny ourselves food, pleasure, to center in on God. Solitude is a spiritual discipline. Meditation has been perverted by the world and transcendental meditation, but I want to tell you it is a very biblical concept when you meditate on God and the things of God and the Word of God. And so meditation is a spiritual discipline where you meditate on the Lord. There are disciplines of engagement, Bible study, prayer, worship, service to other people, uh, worship together in the congregation, celebrating the community of the children of God. Those are engaging disciplines. And let me just recommend something to you. Uh, There's a book by Richard Foster. It is a classic. It is called The Celebration of Discipline. Jot that down in your notes. If you want to learn more about the spiritual disciplines, he goes through 13 of them, and they're powerful. And each chapter has an application and how you do it practically, and it's a very excellent book by Richard Foster, if you have not read that already. Now, the disciplines are not in your life to check it off as a duty. Well, I've got through my Bible reading today. Check the box. I've prayed today. Check the box. Get it done, get it over with, et cetera, et cetera. But these are exercises by God to strengthen your faith muscles. They bring us into a place where God can renew us spiritually. And what happens is when you find yourself getting into the disciplines, all of a sudden you'll begin responding to your boss at work with patience. And you'll begin to forgive your spouse. And you'll face your trials with faith. And, and you'll begin to share your faith with others with confidence, all because you have begun to discipline and strengthen your spiritual man, and your faith muscles are stronger. Spiritual discipline, renewal. Our culture is obsessed with how we look, the right kind of clothes, the perfect body, beautiful face, but it's possible to have fit bodies and a flabby soul. Because we neglect what we can't see. You see, the spiritual, you can't see it. And so we focus on the material. We focus on this world. We focus on what we can see. But if we want to live 
Christ-centered lives, the problem is we fail again and again and again because we are neglecting the spiritual man. And it is just as real as your physical man. You can't see it. But it is the part of you that will live forever. Like a little leaguer who wants to play like Ken Griffey Jr. And he goes out and he buys the batting glove. And he mimics his mannerisms when he comes to the plate to bat. And he has the right kind of Ken Griffey Jr. shoes on his feet. The problem is it's not till he mimics Ken Griffey's training that he spent all those years training to make it to the big leagues uh, that he will ever succeed in being a baseball player. We can have all the outward show. We can come to church. We can do our thing. uh, We can mimic everybody else around us. But until I get into the disciplines myself, I will remain spiritually flabby. Now, here's the bottom line, and I'm coming to a close. No athlete is going to be satisfied with anything less than total victory. Don't you train to win? You don't train to lose. You train to win. You train for a goal. You train for an objective. You want to win. If you're an athlete, you're competing in any kind of contest. If you're a swimmer, you'll train for hours to win that swimming meet. And so it is in the spiritual life. When we train ourselves in spiritual exercise, in godliness, we're training to win. What do we win? Look at verse number 16. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. You will save both yourself and those who hear you. Exercise. Church, get off the pews and let's get busy and exercise in God's kingdom. Let's get into his word. Let's get into study. Let's get in prayer. Let's get in meditation. Let's get in fasting. Let's get in serving. Let's use our gifts. Exercise yourself unto godliness. What will happen? You will save yourself. Now we're saved by grace. But this will keep you close to the Lord close to God, it'll keep you from sin. And you'll save those who hear you. Spiritual discipline leads to spiritual maturity. And that spiritual maturity will enable you to have a positive influence on those who are around you. And look again at verse number 15. He says, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. When you start getting spiritually fit, others will notice. They'll see you've changed. They'll see a joy. They'll see a strength. They'll see a life. They'll notice. Your progress will be evident to all. Paul was an incredible mentor. He was an incredible coach for Timothy. He called Timothy his faithful minister. I want you to return to Philippians chapter 2. Look at the progress that became evident to all. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 19. This is what Paul writes about Timothy, who was a man of spiritual exercise. Verse 19, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. They also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. 
For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served me in the gospel. I believe Timothy heeded this advice from 1 Timothy. I believe he exercised himself into godliness. And when Paul comes down to the end of his life uh, and he writes the book of Philippians, he says, I have no one else like Timothy. I want to tell you, church, let's start exercising our spiritual muscles uh, so that when we are seen, uh, our progress will be known by all. And God will say, I have no one else like him. What a tribute. Church, are you spiritually fit today? Are you spiritually fit today? You need the proper spiritual nourishment in the word of God. You need the proper spiritual exercise. uh, And you also need times of spiritual renewal. But I will tell you, it is never, ever too late to start your training process. Let's get started. Let's do what God has called us to do. Bow your heads and close your eyes if you would. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for each person that is here today. Lord, we believe you brought them here for this service, for this reason, for this appointed time. Thank you for the challenge to our hearts this morning. God, I pray for some here today who may not know you as Lord and Savior. They may not have yet have asked you to come into their heart, come into their life. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of your grace. So I pray, God, your Holy Spirit will do your work this place today every head is bowed every eye closed you may be here today and this podcast has been a presentation of faith assembly where our mission is to connect people with christ and to experience life thank you for listening this week